0: Now I'm pressing record. Now, so we're safe. We're okay. good. This is a cozy group of gentlemen. Right here. All four of you, just like I think. I think you know. For me, this would be rather uncomfortable sitting this close to another to another male. Just don't know how I'd feel about it. Do so like, what like, you don't say it like that. Well, you know, muscle does weigh more than fat. Yeah. Why do I take that for sitting? Yes. Every time they hit me in any area, they're like, "Man, hitting bone." Yeah. also No, none of us say that. You always say that. No, not none of us have ever said that, Tyler. Oh, you mean like three months ago? Yeah, I remember that, Tyler. Or like the other day. that's funny I don't <laughs> remember anyone saying that oh <laughs> <laughs> well let's pray and then we'll jump into our study did anybody read John 17? John 17, Matthew John 17 is fantastic, John 17 is wonderful, John 17 is one of my all-time favorite portions of scripture, so I am excited about today, because we are going to dive into John chapter 17, and we're going to go for it, it's going to be really good, because John 17 is good, but let us pray. Abba, Father, we honor your presence in this room. We recognize and welcome your activity. Lord, we we confess that you are present and at work in this room. By the power of your Holy Spirit, through the sacrifice of your Son, Jesus Christ, Lord, here we stand, embraced in the new covenant, and surrounded by the undiluted love of Almighty God. Lord, we worship and we adore you. We thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you that you never change and that you have spoken your love over us since before the foundations of the earth. Lord, that we were chosen by you before the foundations of the earth to be transformed into the image of the second person of the Trinity. And Lord, we ask you to continue. We lean into that process today. We say, Lord, have your way. Continue. Lord, we we cooperate with, we partner with you in your shaping us to look like Jesus. Give us the grace to hear your voice. Give us the courage to say yes. Give us the courage to receive all the grace that you have for us this morning. Holy Spirit, have free reign and movement within us, we ask in Jesus name, Amen. I heard a quote this morning <clears throat> Brian zond is one of my one of my favorite preachers he 's somebody uh one of his friends said he could preach the eyes out of a rattlesnake from thirty yards, and I think that 's probably true like i don 't know how i don't know why I that makes no sense to me i don 't even know what that means <laughs> yeah I don't know, but it sounds right. Because the man just, <laughs> he can just preach. Just sounds right. I don't even know what that means, but it just sounds good. <clears throat>
1: <Word for>
0: it. <laughs> it sounds right. Because the man can preach, okay? He can just, oh, it's just good stuff. Anyway, and he read a quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Okay, and Dietrich Bonhoeffer, I don't know if you know who that is, but an unbelievable witness for Christ in the midst of the nazification of germany prior to world war Two, he stood against the the uh the the hatred of the jewish people and was therefore killed for his stance um by the nazi regime he was killed most of the pastors during that time just kind of went along and praised Hitler and said, yeah, it's good, it's good, it's good, because they were worried they were going to lose their congregations and even lose their lives. Bonhoeffer was like, I don't think so. Jesus would not be okay with this. And so he not only preached against Hitler, but he created an underground Bible school that was teaching people to resist the Nazi regime in Germany. He was then captured, sent to a concentration camp where he died. So, and he wrote a book called uh, that, that, is, that I would recommend to every human being that wants to follow Jesus called The Cost of <coughs> Discipleship. You need to read it. It will be painful, however. Uh, <clears throat> but and the quote that I heard from Brian Zond this morning was from a book I have not read, which is called Ethics. And apparently it wasn't finished, uh, but it's also Bonhoeffer. And he said, when we encounter Jesus, the true and living Christ, we either die or we kill Jesus. And I was like, shoot! <laughs> that, whoa! And I've always said it like this. Jesus changes everything he encounters. And if you're not being changed, you've not encountered Jesus. Were you raising your hand? Yeah, what was the name of that book? The cost Ethics. Of no, the, other the other one, The Cost of Discipleship by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Mm-hmm. A must-read it really is, and it will grill you. I mean, it puts you on the Holy Ghost rack and turns the notch. You know, it's woo. That's rough. It's rough, but it's good. It's it's uh, it's uh, the kind of of rigor, the kind of of passion that you would have to have to stand up to Hitler in the midst of uh, pre World War Two Germany. Um, I mean, the entire imagine. This won't be that hard to imagine, really. Imagine the entire culture around you without, like, only a very, very small percentage of the people around you uh, are standing against this. But, like, 95% of the people around you are giving, they're, they're at an almost worshipful level about the leader of a nation, who is spewing hatred, who is calling for warfare, who is stirring the nation, and you're standing in the middle of it, and you you are presented with a very real choice. I can either do what Jesus calls me to do, or I can probably get killed. And that's where Bonhoeffer was, and he made the, the right choice, and he died, and that's real. And he says, when we encounter the living Jesus, we will either die or we will kill him we will kill Jesus or seek to kill Jesus and that's what happened isn't it with those that encountered the living Jesus in the original when he came the first time you they either became his followers and were killed for him or they stood or they put him up on a cross and nailed him there problem is with Jesus kill him and he just he rises from the dead that's the problem. You can't kill Jesus for good. It doesn't work. You can sure try, but Jesus is going to keep coming back going, Hey, hey here I am. <clears throat> it's much better. It's much better to just let Jesus kill you and then raise you from the dead. That's much better. It's far, far preferable uh, to, the, to the other option. Um, even though it doesn't necessarily sound like a lot of fun. <laughs> it's not fun. I mean but it is it is fun but it's not fun oh yes the line from wonderful cross you know that song by chris tomlin from you know a million years ago wonderful cross where it says uh uh no no no, no. that's the bids you come and die and find that i may truly live that's a quote of bonhoeffer jesus bids you to come and die you want to follow Jesus now? Let's let's raise our hands. Let's say yes. Here I come. I'm going to die. But that is the call of Jesus. Take up your cross and follow me. That is not a small thing. Imagine a preacher standing up and say, "Take up your electric chair and follow me. Take up your firing squad and follow me. Take up your lethal injection." and follow me. That is what Jesus was saying, but it's worse, way worse, because lethal injection, at least you don't feel nothing. The cross was specifically created to give someone the most painful death in the history of the world, and Jesus is saying, you want to follow me? There's there's your cross. Pick it up and follow me. It's interesting. Anyway, I don't know why we're starting there today. Now, Let's talk about the love of God. (laughs) But this is the love of God. You see, that's what we've got to understand. That sometimes the most loving thing that God can do is kill you. Take that, all of you health, wealth, and prosperity preachers. I'm sorry, but it's ridiculous. Jesus is standing saying, take up your cross and follow me. And they're going, God wants to make you healthy and wealthy. Wait a minute. What? Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. He doesn't say, open your bank account and follow me. That is not what he says. He doesn't say, look at your stock portfolio and follow me. That is not what Jesus says. Jesus says, if you follow me, you're going to die to yourself. And that's reality. And it's the best thing that's ever going to happen to you. You will be grateful because if you lose your life for my sake, you will find it. When we come to Jesus, there's a radical reordering of priorities. Jesus says, We're, I am going to bring you into, into a kingdom mindset. I'm going to change the way that you think about everything, which is what the word repent actually means. Rethink everything. The word most often used for repent in the New Testament is the Greek word metanoia, which means rethink. Start from the beginning and rethink everything. Change your perspective on everything that exists. Change your paradigm. Remove the current way you look at the world and be, have it replaced with a completely different way of looking at the world. And that's what Jesus calls us to do. And not only that, he calls us to do it over and over and over and over and over. Because anytime we start to put Jesus in a box, anytime we start to believe we have him figured out, he is going to show up and be like, hey, look at me, I'm nothing like you thought I was. He's really good at letting you get down to the last nail in the box that has Jesus in it, and then he hands you that last nail. That's what he's really good at. <laughs> I'm not in there. <laughs> I'm out here, and I am not who you thought I was. Jesus, over and over again, one of the best sermons Brian Zond ever preaches, a sermon called Losing Jesus. Okay? I would... Recommend you go out and find it somewhere. It's probably on YouTube or someplace. It's on his website, which is wolc.com. <clears throat> But And the sermon is this. He walks through the life of Jesus along with his mother, Mary. And in the first scene, you see when Jesus and Joseph and Mary go up to Jerusalem, uh, for the Passover and Jesus is with them. And then they leave after Passover and they get three days away from Jerusalem and realize Jesus isn't with us. She lost Jesus. They lost Jesus. Now any of you who have traveled in a large group of family, you know that that's easy to do. Think of the Home Alone movies, right? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) You can see Mary sitting on the cam. Jesus! (laughs) You know, like, it's just... This is what's going on, all right? It's a whole new movie we got we got to put out there called uh, Jerusalem Alone or something. But anyway, you know, Jesus is like, ah! But anyway, <laughs> Jesus wasn't like that at all, actually. They go back to Jerusalem. I love this because they go back to Jerusalem and they find Jesus. And Jesus is not apologetic at all. There's no like, I'm so sorry that I wasn't with you, mother. No, it's Jesus just looks at her and goes, you didn't know I'd be about my father's business? Like, like, he's just like, where did you think I would be? And in that moment, in that moment, Mary realized that this little boy was not who she thought he was. In that moment, Mary had to rethink She lost the Jesus that she thought she had, and she gained an entirely new Jesus. But let me help you understand. The Jesus she thought she had was not who Jesus really was. Does that make sense? It wasn't Jesus that changed. It was that Mary had not continued to understand Jesus as Mary changed. Fast forward a few years, maybe twenty. We're in the midst of the ministry of Jesus, and Jesus is preaching in Capernaum, I think it was. That's a fair guess because Jesus was often in Capernaum, but Jesus is there. He's in this place and he's preaching, and message is brought to him. Your mother and your brothers are looking for you, and Jesus says, Who are my mother? Who are my brothers? Now, it says somewhere in the Bible that Jesus' mother and his brothers were worried about him. They thought he was kind of losing it. And Jesus speaks directly to it. He said, the one who follows what my father is telling them to do, that's my mother. Those are my brothers. And Mary once again was face to face with a Jesus she didn't understand. She's face to face with, it's really Jesus she's looking at, but that is not who she thought he was. Once again, Mary has lost Jesus, and she has a choice. She can either continue to believe in the Jesus that she thought she knew, or she can reconcile her understanding of Jesus with the man standing before her because that's who he really is. And once again, we have to understand it wasn't Jesus that changed. It was that Mary had fixed an idea of who Jesus was in her mind that was incorrect. And the living Jesus is showing her that's not who I am. This is who I am. And then the final picture as Jesus is hanging on the cross and he looks down at the apostle john and he says this is your mother this is your son and she realizes in that moment that once again she's looking at a man that she doesn't even know that she never understood that she thought she had him figured out but she didn't that there's something else going on here a jesus she never knew but that was always there but she was not able to see it And once again, her perspective of Jesus had to radically change. Not because Jesus changed, but because she had formed a picture of Jesus that was incorrect. And she had to tear that image down and take stock with the man that was in front of her. That process of encountering the living Christ and throwing away our old understanding of who he was so that we can align ourselves with who he truly is, that process is called spiritual growth. That process is called discipleship. That process is called maturing in Christ and becoming like Christ. Because we as human beings love to pigeonhole people. We love to categorize. We love to think we have things figured out and build a little precious box for jesus that he gets to live in and he doesn't get to move and jesus is not going to stay in your box remember that song from sunday school i wish i had a little red box to put my jesus in do you remember that song anybody nobody you know i'll take it out and, and put it back again what a horrible thing to teach to children that we could put jesus in a box and we just get to control this relationship. I'm just going to put you in the box. And then when I want to talk to you, I'll pull you out in love on you. But then otherwise, you're going to stay in your little red box. Is that horrible or what? I'm, I, don't think, I don't think they sing that song anymore. But <clears throat> And then you have a box you're going to put the devil in. Apparently, it's the same box. I wish I had a little red box to put the devil in. What do you want to keep the devil for? <laughs> I'm going to put him in a box and lock it up and never open up again. No, I'm going to I'm going to burn him for eternity in the fires of hell, right? That's what I'd yeah. rather do. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> this is a great Sunday school song. <laughs> Jesus is uncontrollable and the devil's burning forever. This is a great song. Anyway, you got to be careful when you're face-to-face with Jesus. And the disciples knew this. The disciples understood this because the disciples had Jesus do this to them all the time. Jesus was constantly saying things that the disciples were going, Oh, what now? Over and over again, Jesus was being unpredictable. Jesus was, was being himself. And the disciples are going, I thought I knew who this was. I love that one picture. And they all get in the boat and they're, you know, they're headed across the lake. And Jesus sent them out. He's like, get out of here, guys. <laughs> hey, guys. Hello. I love you both. I love you too. Um, Josh, who did you say you wrote sermon? What? Brian Zond. Yeah, and he preached it way better than I did. But, uh, so go check it out. It's called Losing Jesus by Brian Zond. His last name is spelled Z-A-H-N-D. He's one of my all time favorite preachers. Anyway, he and Brad Jerzak are best friends. <laughs> so, it was Brian that introduced me to Brad. Which one uh, did you end up meeting? Both. I've met them both, which is pretty exciting. I got to spend more time with Brad than I did with. Brian, but I got to have a pretty decent conversation with both of them, so um anyway, I'd, maybe someday we'll watch the gospel of chairs in here and which I've seen Brian do the gospel and chairs too at his church uh, himself, but uh, uh and we'll all weave and get messed up and be great <clears throat> but uh anyway, moving on um. Where was I? Oh, the disciples were... So there's this, you know, Jesus is like... He just feeds... I think it's right after the feeding of the 5,000. And then Jesus is like, guys, I got to go recharge. So I'm going to go talk to dad for a while. Uh, I want you to get in the boat and go on over to the other side and I'll meet you. Now, here's the thing. They didn't ask Jesus how he was going to get to the other side of the Lake of the Sea of Galilee. Okay. It's like you're in Chicago, and you're like, hey, get in a boat and go on across to Milwaukee, okay? Uh, across Lake Michigan to Milwaukee. It's not quite that big, but it's pretty big. It's big enough that there's places on the Sea of Galilee that you can't see all the way across. Okay, so it's, it's large. And he's like, go on, guys. I'll meet you, you know? And it's, that's just an interesting thought. But anyway, so, so they all got in the boat, you know, and then they go, and then there's this big storm. And in the middle of the storm, Jesus is walking on the water, right? And they're all like, ah! First of all, they were freaked out because of the storm. The next, they were freaked out because Jesus is walking on the water, right? This has happened before, though, where Jesus was asleep in the boat. And they're like, Jesus, we're going to die! And he's just like, oh, you of little faith. Hey, shut up! And then the storm just, And they're like, who is this guy? <laughs> I mean, can you imagine what that would be like? It's this crazy storm. You all think you're going to die. There's water in the boat. Ah! Peter's over here puking his guts out over the side. Ah! You know, and then we got, and we, we got John is just hugging everybody. I just want you to know that I love you before we die. I just want you to know. You know, you got... And there's this, everything's going crazy, and finally, somebody wakes Jesus up, you know. And, and Jesus is like, I'm, I'm taking this is my nap, guys. Come on. And they're like, But we're gonna, don't you care, we're gonna die. It was probably Thomas. Doesn't that sound like Thomas to you? <laughs> we're gonna die, right? <laughs> and Jesus is just like, oh, You know, you just saw me feed all those people, or whatever miracle he just did. He, he's doing miracles all the time. He's like, You really think this is a problem? Shut up! I mean, that's literally what it's like. The Bible says he rebukes the wind and the waves. Like, it's not like this dramatic thing like in the Jesus movies where he stands up and he's like, peace! Peace, too. No, Jesus is still lying down on his cushion in the boat, and he's just like, shut up! And then he just goes back to sleep. The waves, <laughs> Done. That's. I mean, go go look at it. Jesus is not. You know, this was this was not like some. Anyway, it was, and everything goes quiet, right? And the disciples are like. is this guy that's what they were constantly asking themselves that's why they stuck around because every five minutes Jesus is doing something that's making them go who is this guy What? what? one of my other favorite moments is in John 6 where the uh, like the crowds are just getting crazy and this is actually immediately after that where they get to the other side Jesus deals with the with the demoniac from uh yeah and he's like you're done and the guy's sitting there whatever and then all these people come and they're like jesus wait a minute how'd you get over here because we saw the disciples get in a boat and then you didn't and what i don't understand and jesus is just like relax and then and then they're like they're like they're like so jesus you know talk to us more and they're asking him for a sign that he's the messiah and jesus gets a little ticked and jesus says to him you're only here because i fed you You know, like, (laughs) well, it was pretty good, Jesus. You want to do that again? (laughs) And Jesus is like, I tell you what, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part of me. Now, in Israel, I mean, today cannibalism is a pretty horrible thing, right? I mean, you start thinking, I was okay. I was in a bus on the way to a conference. Like it was, it wasn't. It was, it was. I was at a hotel. I was at a hotel and we and, and we were taking the, the, it was the one thing conference in Kansas City and we're driving and like there was a, a shuttle going back and forth between our hotel and the conference. And, and I'm just sitting in the thing and one of the guys in the bus goes, so if you had a human leg and it had not belonged to anybody but it's just there and it's there and it's good, would you try it just to see what it tasted like? Like he actually asked somebody that. Anyway, and I was just like. What, who are you? And why are you going to this conference? Like, that made no sense to me. But anyway, Jesus had just said, now we know that this is not what he meant, but Jesus was specifically a, trying to make the, like, bandwagon folks, the folks that were only there because they thought the bread and fish was pretty darn delicious, those guys, Jesus was just, he was like, Huh, how can I get these posers to leave? So he says, you have to eat my flesh. And Oh, you want something to eat? Here, eat my flesh. Drink my blood. And they were like, uh, you know, I'll see you later. <laughs> and they all left. The whole crowd disperses. This crowd that had followed him all the way around the lake, all the way around the Sea of Galilee to find him. He said something so offensive that they all went away. Do you know how many times as a pastor I'm tempted to do something? Like that? <laughs> you know what? You're not here for a good reason. You need to leave. Boy, that would be fun. Just take a Sunday where I walk up and down and I just point at specific people and I'm like, you're not really committed. Go. <laughs> I have seen your giving statement. You need to leave. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can wear those shoes but you can't tithe is that how it is alright see ya <clears throat> anyway that was Jesus didn't care that's what that's, Jesus was like if you're not serious you don't belong here so he said things specifically to confuse people Because he knew the miracles would would gather a crowd, but Jesus wasn't interested in a crowd. Jesus was interested in disciples. Man, where's the church on that? Tell you what, as a pastor with a mortgage to pay and a paycheck to receive, that is a tough one. And there are days when I see people go, and sometimes, sometimes, it's because they don't appreciate the message that I'm preaching and I'm just preaching straight Jesus and they're like, I don't know. I recently had a family that left and I found out later that it was specifically because I was anti-American. I was like, well, you're welcome to stay gone. (laughs) I didn't say that to them, just that's what I, I was saying. I know, like, what was your message to <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I'm, you know, I say the same things in Sunday morning that I say in here. I'm trying to hold our nation, our culture. I love the United States of America. I love America. I think God has raised up this country for a specific purpose. And I think we have put our big, fat middle finger up at the purpose of God for which he raised up this country. And that we no longer care about the world. And that we no longer care about freedom. And that all that we care about is making money. And I'm tired of it. (laughs) Ever since we're, that that it started in with World War II, where we got into this thing. I know that, the, the, that everyone wants to tell you that that was a just war and that we got into that war for, for good reasons, et cetera. And maybe some of us did. I think the majority of Americans really wanted to see Hitler defeated and freedom restored to Europe. I think that's true of the majority of Americans, but the people that were driving our connection to that war were people that were looking to make money off of selling ammunition and tanks and et cetera. And we built our economy on this thing called the military industrial complex. Mm-hmm. When we spend more money on a single fighter jet than we do on, and, and, and we say that we can't provide health insurance or whatever for people that cannot afford it, I just want to say bull crap. You pay more money to kill people than you do to keep people alive, and that's not a righteous nation. I think anyone that believes in the teachings of Jesus either has to agree with that or they have to tell me they no longer believe in the teachings of Jesus. If that makes me anti American, fine. I think it makes me anti American church. And I am seeking to build a church that doesn't look like that. And if you're not if you don't feel welcome in that kind of church, then see ya. Anyway. As I drink my Starbucks. All right. <laughs> I not asking that question. You, uh, that you baited me. I'm like he just said something that was very anti Midwest, didn't he? What did he do? <laughs> no, it's just that Jesus is challenging me. And so I have to challenge my church and I have to challenge my nation. I can't stand with empire when empire is about empire. We call ourselves a Christian nation. Our government is not Christian. Our military is not Christian. I will gladly stand. Do not hear me saying that I don't honor men and women who die for their country, I absolutely do. It is those that are sending them to die in places that we have no purpose sending people to die that I do not honor. Even if I honor the office in which they live and operate. Jesus help us. Anyway, John 17... are you guys I don't know why I went off on that rampage what are you guys thinking is there anybody in here I I promise I'll be nice to you (laughs) that you completely disagree with me it's okay it really is okay Truth is, most of you, I am sure, have been connected with and grown up in environments that would vehemently disagree with a lot of the things that I just said. You are allowed to disagree with me. It's entirely possible I am incorrect, but I don't think so. If I did think so, I wouldn't say it to you. I'm not being arrogant by saying that. I'm just telling you this is the way that I have begun to see the world. And the reason I've begun to see the world this way is because I'm trying to become like Jesus. And I may not – that may not be happening. Maybe I've been infiltrated by the neoliberal communist whatever. Maybe that's what's happened to me. Maybe I've spent too much time listening to NPR. I don't know. (laughs) I don't think so. I think I've spent a lot of time praying the Sermon on the Mount <coughs> and asking Jesus to teach me. My, one of my primary prayers, one of the prayers that I pray on a regular basis and that I encourage you to pray, it may not lead you to the same place it's led me, but I believe with all my heart that I am where I am and I'm believing what I'm believing and I care about what I care about because I've been praying, Jesus, I want to care about what you care about. I want to love what you love, Jesus, and I want to hate what you hate, Jesus. And this is where I've landed. I am not done with my journey. I'm still losing Jesus too. On a regular basis, Jesus has to confront me with the fullness of his reality and correct my course again back toward him. And that happens to me regularly. But I want you to know that it's every time that happens, it leads me more this direction and not more back to where I was and what and now I thought before. Our world today looks remarkably like the world did. Five, seven, ten years before World War II. I mean, uncannily. And those that don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it, my friends. We are in the same ramping up cycle that we were in 10 years before World War II. That is real. and it is, I know it is unthinkable. We, it's unthinkable to think that we might be headed back towards something like that. But that's what they would have told you then. We just fought World War 1, the war to end all wars. War is over. This we understand. We are a people of peace. We're so we have grown beyond these worldwide conflicts and yet the gap between rich and poor was growing and growing and growing and growing. Militant groups were rising up and gaining places of power all over the world. Militant groups like Hitler Uh, Like Hitler's Nazi regime Like Mussolini and his people in in Italy Like uh, Francisco Franco in Spain Like, okay, those kind of groups Guys, you need to understand that fascism is on the rise In our world right now There are whole countries that are being taken over By a people who are deeply racist Deeply fascist And and they do not care. Do you recognize the fact that in our country, something like 75% of people, I just heard this study the other day, that something like 75% of people who live in the United States would stand behind a militaristic dictator if he was doing what they thought were good things. That is a scary. That is. That is. When I heard that, I had to like pause the podcast I was listening to and just say, "Oh God, do you understand?" up folks. Until and let me say this to you, part of the reason we're headed that direction is because the voice of the church has been stifled or been bought. The prophetic voice of the church in the United States of America has been silenced. It's been turned to a place of irrelevance and powerlessness. And when someone stands up and says things that are true, the whole church turns. The church itself turns and rips them down. Runs from them because they're quote unquote heretics and anti-American. It's the same thing that the prophets who were telling Israel Babylon is coming to defeat you they were called the same thing well you're just un-Israelite can't we get a prophet in here that's going to give us some good news people like Isaiah and Jeremiah persecuted thrown in prison Because they were warning the people of Israel, if you continue on this path, destruction is at the other end. And the people of Israel were like, shut up, we finally have prosperity. We finally have a king that's not worshiping idols. We finally whatever. And he's going, no, this is the wrong way. We are not a godly nation any longer. We are walking away from the God that called us. They wouldn't hear it. They were all just completely surprised when Babylon came in and destroyed everything. Why didn't God protect us? Because you're not with him. The Bible says that those who put their trust in the Lord will not be put to shame. That means we're trusting the Lord completely for every aspect of who we are and what we do. We're trusting his ways over ours. We're giving we, we are acknowledging him in all our ways and letting him make our paths straight. We're not just paying lip service to Jesus and making him the mascot of our nation and not the Lord of our nation. All right, I'm done. Because I could do this for the next two hours and I don't want to. I want to get into John 17. But before we turn this page... Is there anybody that has anything to say? It's not a challenge. I'm asking for you have a question or (laughs) a thought? If you want to condemn me as an un-American heretic, you are welcome to do so. You won't be the first or the last. Nothing? What's going on in your head? What are you thinking about? (laughs) All right. (coughs) Let's take a couple minutes. Let's get up. Let's stretch. Let's uh, reset. Get, like, I watched my mom all the time and I her head fly off. yeah I know well especially like the first time I ever went to a chiropractor I was my back hurt so bad like I couldn't I had thrown my back out by like um by sneezing I would yeah I was sitting I was sitting in my car I had one foot out of my car and one foot in my car and I sneezed and my back just goes like that almost as bad and so oh, I was, was on really muscle great. relaxers yeah. and stuff, <laughs> that the doctor gave me, and I went to the chiropractor. <laughs> and I was so scared because I was really hurting. Yeah. Okay. And uh, and he's like, oh, we're going to get you feeling better. It's going to take a few adjustments over the next couple of weeks, but we're going to get you feeling better. Well, when he, <laughs> he had me on the table, right, and then he gets up and he puts his knee like right here and he calls his wife to come in and she held my shoulders and he goes like that and I'm just like "Ah!" but oh my gosh it felt so good I was like oh Oh my gosh and then he goes then he goes oh that unlocked really well I was like yeah I'd say so And he I, walks I, around to my I, head, and he grabs my head, and he's like, "Okay, I need you to relax all the yeah, muscles in your that. neck." And I'm just like, yeah, "Oh!" That's oh. <laughs> he said, "This might be a little loud." <laughs> I was like, <laughs> "Ah!" Ah! Oh. Oh, freedom. I, the things you say are always funny, but the way you say <laughs> <the> it, <you, laughs> the way you tell your stories is so much funnier oh than the story. <laughs> 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 I, really to I used to have to like walk out of their there for the I room day, a few days. Like, mom, mom, like, <laughs> oh, that was like fun whenever we'd have to go to like the gym. The... Yeah, and I'm like, he just kept doing it. I just kept laughing. I was like, "Do oh, my work. I can't stop. I need to breathe." <laughs> we gotta we about think about this. <laughs> i and and just, like, you know, no. all he's just, like, yeah. and then yeah. it, it, it all the, the language there, it says he rebuked the wind no. Waves. No. <laughs> He was He was annoyed. No. It no. was, it no. was, it, no. was no. It, it was just, it was like, enough already! Like, that was, like... you the like, being You know, he's just, he's like, the Mexican Jesus, (laughs) that'd be awesome. I would love that. Have you seen that? Have you seen the, the GOP Jesus videos? Have you seen those? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. You have to see there's this one. It's Jesus. And he's standing there. How heavy of a dosage? of yeah, It's yeah. great. It's so good. He's standing there. Yeah, he's standing there with. Him and he's got like this kid in his arms, and he's like, "He that welcomes a little one like this is probably welcoming a terrorist." is <laughs> <No. laughs> Probably a gang member. <laughs> and then he like he like gives it over to the. Disciples. He's like, "Go process her or something." Like, <laughs> oh <God. laughs> That's so awesome. Anyway, it's really, really terrible, but great. It's it maybe, made me laugh really hard. Yeah, I, I don't, I've I only seen... I saw one video and it had several scenes in it. I'm going to watch it on...